here's a quote from a guy who was born on May 17th. And if you take one and seven and add them, that's eight. And I went to this place one time where I ate eight pieces of chicken wings and a chicken wing was invented in September. So I am cosmically linked to this guy. Like our destinies are fucking tied. That is no. perfect place to welcome everyone to the soapbox. <laughs> Today we're, uh, I'm Reverend Janglebones and that's Kurt. Say Hello. Hi. And then Hello. We're, here, we're here with uh, Hello. TS. Hello. We're here with TSK. Um, yeah. And talking about the Northman. Um, it, the uh, fine uh, prequel film for True Blood. For yeah. North, North, North so, so many people were confused that this movie <laughs> was a prequel for Eric Northman from True Blood. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Well, there's I mean, like, and I and I was like, "There's no fucking way these people are full of shit." And then I look it up, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Skarsgård! It really is him!" Like, maybe they're right. <laughs> I there's mean, also there's, his last also, name is Northman. Yeah, like, yeah. come on! I mean, it's obviously a prequel. <laughs> obviously, there's also another weird thing in this, and that um, because both Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman played a couple together in this show big little lies where he was her abusive husband <laughs> and to the, and then in this uh he's her daughter i mean he's her son and then and then concerning the moment where she's like why don't you kill everybody and we can fuck <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> <laughs> That uh, I feel like that this is just all one big con continuity. This is just one story, right? Like that's that was what happened in the past, and then they reincarnated, and he got his revenge by being her abusive husband. <laughs> yeah, I mean, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there is a there is a uh, I forget what the hell it's called, but it is this thing where they. They did this shared universe uh, that all the like Sherlock Holmes and like oh god I forget all the different basically all the Jules Verne's bo books and everything it's like this one shared universe they created it's what um, Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was built on this idea um, and it's just really funny that, <laughs> that this movie has these like, stupid connections. <laughs> um, but the movie's fucking amazing. This this movie was so good. I was blown away. It might be the best movie that this guy's done too. And this guy's done some pretty decent films. <clears> These <throat> three for three. Although I was, have you guys seen his prior prior movies? I haven't seen the Lighthouse. You haven't seen the. Yeah, you've seen I've the seen, Witch. Yeah, I've seen Lighthouse and Witch. So, okay. Um, I really like the Lighthouse. The Witch, um, I need to revisit. I was kind of like iffy on it. Um, I think it's because it was really hyped. Like, <clears throat> I was all the stuff I was reading about it at the time were like, this is the scariest fucking movie ever. It's so terrifying. And then I'm like, it's not really, I didn't find it scary. It was intriguing. And I'd, I'd, I'd want to look at it again because um, this guy just seems to, I don't know, he keeps, he seems to get better with every movie. At least more interesting. 
I think The Witch um, was just like a really good docudrama, a historical docudrama. Like if you're <laughs> if you're a magician or if you study, you know, the occult at all, it's kind of you watch The Witch and you're like, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, plus, you know, it, it spawned all of those goat memes like for the longest time. <laughs> There's a, like that movie there's, came out and there's a whole series of memes with just like the black goat face that's like do you want to live deliciously like i don't know <laughs> it's all related to that movie somehow <laughs> or, or sustainable goat farming <laughs> oh oh weird sink i so i'm i'm uh i'm my mom in her uh i don't have uh, who cares my my mom in her room today was just playing the news and apparently there's someone making animal sacrifices and throwing them into the the uh chet like the chattahoochee river because they they found like a bag of like 12 severed goat heads <laughs> like and it's it's this fucking weird story that that i i have also i am so glad i don't i'm not stuck with regular television because like Regular TV's news is like three stories that they just loop over and over again. It's fucking yeah. horrible. Yeah, and they're all decided by some uh, major corporation that bought out all the local news networks like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's crazy. They, like you can, you can compare like the dialogue on local news networks across the country and they have I've identical, like it's, it's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, their 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 script and dialogue, whatever you want to call it, is all generated by some AI that's just watched like hundreds of thousands of hours of TikTok videos. And so that's how it decides what the fuck it give you for the news. Yeah, and then like fed with data from like um like you know MK mind control programs too. It's just like this this algorithm that's like mind control TikTok. Uh, yeah. Will it eventually just switch to trying to control AIs, trying to control each other's, each AI, one's trying to control the other AI that's trying to control the other AI that's trying to control the other AI, just bounces back and forth. That's all it is. It's just the big, the big like chess game between two computers. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, Skynet, you know, finally self-actualizes and basically just gets into like competitive bot battles. Well, I mean, there there is that there is that weird theory that like the, the all the internet is fake because it's nothing but bots, you know, like all the all the TikTok followers and Instagram followers they're all fake. So it's just it's just fake content voted on by fake fucking followers. It's like all bullshit. Uh, the the TikTok algorithm, man, it, it loves people that wave rocks. That's all I can say. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> <clears throat> that's that's interesting though like if it's uh i wonder if that's even like a, a real uh funny thing that people came up with or if that's actually um like some some propagandized idea that's like seeded through because then then you get elon saying like well everyone on twitter is a bot so what we need to do is we need to get everyone verified through biometrics <laughs> it's like <laughs> Oh, that's why we don't like bots, because this way we get, you know, like your your eye print associated with you every time you make a tweet. To just make sure you're human, you know, it's out of the goodness of their heart. Well, 
we'll probably eventually generate those too though just fake that fake biometrics but anyway the north one <laughs> i think i think if they can grow a cheeseburger at a lab they could grow you an eye that's fake right but can they grow you a scars guard <laughs> Look, scars guards are dime a dozen. You could just find them growing on trees. Apparently, apparently, fucking Sweden stocks all of the actors now. <laughs> they're all, they're or you know, or, or they're family. just the only four actors in Sweden. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, maybe that's it. I don't think you, you might be right. <clears throat> maybe scars guard is just Swedish for actor. Maybe, maybe that's what the name means. I don't know. There's some ancient blood feud with the Mickelsons. <laughs> <laughs> Although knowing knowing Scandinavian names, that that name probably means like spear rattler or something. I don't know. I I knew this Icelandic guy. Uh, his name was Snorri. Hmm. He was the sweetest guy I'd ever met. He was like so cool and chilled out. And I looked up what his name meant, and it meant like seal eater or some shit. It was like, <laughs> really. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. Skarsgård. I don't know what it means. Gold? Would it actually be gold? No. No. I don't it probably know. means like scarred guardian. Who knows? Like that sounds sounds cool. Let's go with that. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, so would you? Yeah, what'd you guys think of this movie? Well, I was going to say, uh, maybe TSK would, do you want to run us through the plot real quick? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. You know, it, it follows the uh, the same plot of some of the great uh, hero sagas, you know, from a Norse legend, which is basically like, shit happens, guy gets mad, guy makes revenge, guy gets revenge, guy dies. The end. <laughs> you know no, no happy ending no no subplot just let's go kill some shit <laughs> it's it's a solid uh it's a solid archetypal storyline that somehow doesn't seem to be very appreciated by like the likes of Jung. <laughs> i what what i think that does like so I um I also love like Mad Max Fury Road, which basically has as simple a plot as that. Like you could tell you can say the whole plot for that movie in like a sentence, but it's what is done with that and the like the visuals and the emotions and everything that's tied into it that makes it amazing. <clears throat> and I think I think if the plot of this was any more fucking complicated, it wouldn't be as good. Because yeah, I think I, I agree. Yeah, I think the simplicity actually uh, allows space for it to turn into this. Like, it has some really crazy mythic moments in it that just feel like this movie feels it. It it, it really does feel like I don't know, like incredibly. Um, this is like what a fantasy movie really should be, you know, like <clears throat> this feeling that you're. Um, like all the magic in it and th this this guy the director eggers he he must do something 
because the way the stuff wait the way things feel in this like it feels like someone who's like really sort of tried to play with this stuff i i think or at least got yeah, some, I, some good like drug retreats yeah i was just gonna say i i, I really liked you know all of the the magic and like the visionary stuff and kind of like the more mythic parts of the movie how you're, you're always shown it from like his point of view where he's like in the whole like majesty of it or in the whole like crazy experience of it and then when it's over it's just him back like sitting on a rock or him standing next to something like nothing actually ever happened which is yeah. kind of like literally what it feels like to be like a magician in modern times because yeah. you have this crazy fucking experience and then like your dog takes a shit and you got to go pick it up like it's just <laughs> you're instantly put back into like mundane reality <laughs> But but it feels like all, all of the things were like, it's hard to explain, like all of the magic moments were also done in such a way that something about them is amazing as they looked and felt. There's something about them was just off enough that it made you like kind of go like, what the fuck is going on? Like, like the Valkyrie having braces, like that was obviously like a really <laughs> weird but clear choice to where you're like, okay, here's this crazy Valkyrie. She's like heading to Valhalla and all this stuff and no, oh, but she's got braces like it's. It just kind of throws you off for a second, but I think that's intentional. Yeah, I think it's. I think it. It suggests that it's like, it's outside of time almost, right? Like, <clears throat> it's it's this like, well, and then it, there's also the quality of like, is that almost the spirit of uh, what's her name, Olga, Olga of the Birches, like the woman that that he falls in love with, um, <clears throat> but. Uh, but I, I love that it's it is this parallel that the Valkyrie is probably it's a separate thing, but it's working through her. So he so while he's passed out, he's experiencing it what it is in the spiritual realm. Like that's what that's what is it, it, Olga at that time is sort of almost uh, personified in her, like maybe taken over by the spirit of the Valkyrie and is carrying him away. Um, and. Uh, and yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think this movie does that thing where it's, it's, it still feels like, oh, I could touch this. But then it's just so, it's so fucking weird. Um, like, I, I love when he was, he was claiming his cursed sword. Uh, and the fact that the guy, he was, the, the corpse was like nine feet tall. Like, it was huge. That guy was clearly a giant of some sort. And then it comes to life, and he's like finding it in the moonlight. <laughs> Fucking fantastic! My yeah, favorite and, thing, and about you that. know, the best absolute way to just really, you know, put the stamp on "I beat the shit out of you" is when you cut the guy's head off and shove it up his own ass as a corpse. <laughs> yeah, that was the greatest part of the movie to me. <laughs> my my son, my son actually watched it with me this morning, which was probably inappropriate, but it's fine. He's you know related to Viking somehow, so it's okay. Um, yeah, he he loved that part absolutely. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that little reclaiming the sword thing was that he went through that whole fight and then like came out of it and the whole Found thing it. was the whole thing was trance yeah and and it was that the spirit of that giant the ghost of that giant was so fucking powerful that like he wouldn't have made it out of there alive even though it was just a trance if he hadn't won in the trance yeah uh and that is very very accurate like that's very very accurate to me for like something that could happen to a person if they were entering a fucking 
you know, Nephilim tomb. <laughs> what did you say that guy was called, T- TSK? Uh, Draugr. Draugr? Yeah. Are they... Yeah. Are they um, and what is that usually? Is that just like a, a, a guardian spirit? I mean, like, like I mean, like we would call it a zombie, but it's technically like a, an undead warrior or a warrior whose spirit, you know, like he he did some did did some you know shit that didn't get him into Valhalla or anywhere else. So now he's stuck as like a you know restless spirit in like a warrior's corpse. Oh, cool! Like, kind of like the 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 bros that that owe the the promise and. Um... Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, the the green guys, the green ghosts. Like, they're like stuck because they still didn't they didn't fulfill their their oath, their duty. They well, duty. so if you're if if a Draugr is slayed by uh by someone, does that free them? I actually don't know because in any of the stories and stuff that I've read that have them in it, they're pretty much always just like oppositional forces to. To take out and then they're just like not mentioned again <laughs> ah, okay. i think that's interesting though in this uh it's almost like he waited and waited and waited and finally like, maybe maybe the drugger had its its chance to die in battle yeah like maybe that actually can be a redemptive thing like i mean i know it's not actually a canonical thing but i think in this it's cool to think about like maybe it it died in battle then and it got to be freed from its uh and actually make it to Valhalla. Yeah, well what's also interesting though is that <clears throat> when he when he finds him, you know, he he's up on the ground and then he goes underground and where he actually lands where this drugger is is actually like it's like the hole of like a longship. Yeah. So it's almost like you know this this soldier, this warrior died and was put on his boat and you know they put him off to the boat, you know, do the whole little fire ritual, but he never actually got out to the ocean. He's stuck on land, so he's also stuck in spirit. Like there's like multiple layers to it, you know. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even notice it was a boat. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You you it, you see it. I think he he knocks him down like halfway through the fight or something. Uh, and and you see and you see him fall into into what the corner of the where the uh, prow is of the ship. But then they also uh, when after he slays what's his name son the eldest son i don't remember are they burying him in the ship too or are they did they send it out i don't know if they sent it out in the ocean or not no they did bury yeah him. they didn't send it out to the ocean but they didn't really bury him either like they because they showed them the son in the long ship and then you know they had the servant girl who does the whole you know i can see my mother and father i see odin and you know them and i see my master and then obviously she gets executed as a sacrifice to help guide his soul to valhalla type thing and usually they would burn the boat after that at sea but i guess if you're in the middle of a heavy land mass and can't really get <laughs> access to water that quick you change change things up a little bit <laughs> you adapt <clears throat> but i mean they, they got mountain doom right there so you think they just do the whole <laughs> just throw know, in the lava throw them yeah, in the lava why there are the eagles? <laughs> I uh, thought it was, it was go ahead. Like, I thought it was really cool that kind of like with experience as a magician watching it. I, I thought it was really cool that he had this relationship with hell and he didn't even really know it. Like he had mm. just taken so many lives. He had lived his whole life in death, as he said. 
a, a life of, of death and, and, and killing and like, and then that, that vengeance like takes him to a drugger, which gets him this zombie sword and he, it only worked at Hell's Gate. Like it, it just seemed like, <clears throat> and I believe Hell was a Icelandic goddess, right? Well, she's she's involved in all the Norse myths. She's uh she's one of Loki's daughters. Hmm. I thought that her, uh, I thought she came from like originally Iceland. That the story's from her, but I could be wrong. But I, I just thought that was interesting. There's like this current of like she's kind of following him. Uh, there's all this death surrounding him, and then then he gets the sword, and then he's at her her gates. And, um, but it's not really like mentioned much. It's just kind of like with magician's eyes, you're like, oh, there's this spirit current there. She's, yeah, because she's... there's, there's definitely, you're saying there's definitely all of this like death connection and hell connection. Um, but then also him, you know, his father mentions it and he mentions it a couple of times that he's pretty much like devoted to Odin. But the, the death connection I find interesting because his uncle the main villain of the movie is devoted to Frey who is a fertility slash like life slash like you know conception god so it's it's, it's they're really kind of balance each other out in that way too yeah I thought it was funny he made fun of his god of erection yeah that was the best part I, I wonder <laughs> like like is there any um do we know if there was any like competition between because i'm i was under the impression that it was kind of just like they all they all accepted that all the gods were real but yeah there's from what i know and from you know everything that i've read there there hasn't been there isn't like any like mythos for like why they would be against each other but what's interesting is that um you know freya and freya and them they they're the the vanir gods um, whereas Odin and like Tyr and all of them, you know, are the Aesir. And uh, one of the, you know, this isn't like a hundred percent like historically proven or anything, but one of the the big uh, theories that people have is that uh, the Vanir gods, which are more like agriculture based gods and nature based gods, were like the original religion of the people that originally were there. And then another tribe came over who had more war bound gods, and when they conquered those people you know, their gods became the new gods. And in the Norse traditions and in the myths, um, there was a war between the Aesir and the Vanir and the Aesir won. And as part of like the terms of surrender is there was prisoner exchange and Freya and Freyr came over. So Freya and Freyr are a uh, different like subspecies or like a different <laughs> race. And they're almost there on like a, you know, prisoner release program. Huh, weird. So, so that's, that's, they're almost like the slaves that are like in this movie that the the Rus, how the Rus are all or I guess it's the Rus. I think those seemed like um uh they're definitely Slavic people, I think. Uh yeah. yeah. And it's um literally the Russians before they were Russians. <laughs> it's like... the Russians, yeah. Uh, but it's just it's just funny because because it's a similar thing with them. Like they're and it's weird that they're allowed to do their own like religion they pra- they practice their own religion while still s- enslaved in the camp of the uh of the vikings or whatever um 
also Robert Eggers has this great way of um he has these great moments of language in all his movies like when she's on the boat after uh after he he, he decides that he's like nah I'm not going to I'm not going to live a life of peace I'm going to I'm going to follow through on fucking murdering everyone <laughs> I I choose both and by both I mean you go you go have your life I'm going to still murder every motherfucker um that that moment where she's like praying saying to the winds that she's going to she's going to plant a forest for them and like so the winds have a, a place to play in the new land that she's going to go and raise her her future children and like that whole little little bit of language was fantastic and it reminds me in the lighthouse there's this great thing where um William Defoe's character in that delivers this curse. This like Neptune's curse. It's you can look it up online. It's fucking amazing. It's this incredible bit of both writing and dialogue and acting. It's amazing. It's the same with her. Um, uh, I also think it's funny that he he has these. He's starting to build like this cadre of actors that he always works with because mm-hmm. that's the same girl that was in the witch. She yeah. she was the yeah. uh, the young and I guess she's typecast now. She can only be a witch. Uh, <laughs> in all his movies <laughs> well, what awesome. you're saying about the the dialogue and the language too like i don't remember the exact words but there's a there's a part where uh you know skarsgård is talking and uh his own little curse in a way too and like i said i don't remember the exact words but he goes on about like um you've disrespected my father and you've angered me and you've angered my family and you've angered my gods <laughs> Even though it's technically you know the same gods, but no, you know you've angered my gods. <laughs> uh, I th- that whole oh god the fucking the fucking berserker sequence is so amazing. Like them just getting riled up and tra- transforming is like so fucking awesome. And then, yeah. and then it's just like with with their Viking line dance. You like that part too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I I loved how they were how he was called Beowulf like cuz the the wolf of Odin but the uh the like grew up and adopted by the Rus. Like that was just so cool to me cuz it's so it's so fucking simple but it says it all. It's like like I'm Odin's wolf but I was raised as a bear. Done. <laughs> That's my whole story right there. Oh. Yeah, this movie is a, is a wondrous murder fest. <laughs> <laughs> the fountain of rage. The fountain of rage. I mean, it has its like beautiful moments. I I loved the um the representation of the tree of life. Yeah, like that was incredible, and like it's it, and and the way it's presented too is like, oh yeah, that is a total like visual visionary like if you wanted a psychedelic trip that is totally how that would present to you that completely makes sense um <clears throat> like all the all the family like suspended in in, in like the outside time or whatever <laughs> like it follows yeah, and like you know all, all all the branches actually just being like veins and like tissue and viscera like yeah from one family member to another of another trail. yeah and then yeah. the roots are like made out of corpses which was also awesome <laughs> <clears throat> well i've i used to like i use world tree in my meditation a lot 
and I've definitely had experiences of like being down at the roots mm-hmm. at times like oh we're going here now and uh and then it's it's a lot like that for me that's why like watching the movie I was like oh shit yeah nailed it well I've had um I had a realization when I when I did uh ayahuasca yahe actually um which was this idea of like if you were to look at the human race fourth dimensionally like we would be you know there's that idea of like we would almost be like these worms tunneling through time yeah but if you think about it at a broad enough spectrum we would literally look like a tree because it would be you and your parents connecting and then you splitting off your mother as these little veins and branches and that would just continue all the way back through time so it is like it is kind of like a very it's it's a beautiful like what i'm saying is like this movie contains truth god damn it there's like <laughs> the northman can be your bible too okay that's what i'm saying it's a documentary that's all <laughs> Yeah, I also loved the whole uh, creation story of the sword when you know he's when he goes to see the 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 male witch guy and he's got the the head of his father's old you know gesture slash you know runer guy and he's telling him the whole story of the how the sword was made it was you know it was made with cursed iron and the handle is the bone of a Jotun and you know made from the fires under Yorgamander and all that stuff like it's some cool shit. <laughs> And I loved yeah. it. He, I love that he could only draw it in moonlight. That was also amazing. <laughs> yeah, and they only used that gimmick once. And that, that was that was brilliant to me. It was like this built-in mechanic for the special item. Um, but they only made like a cool show of it one time. Where like he fought with it, still sheathed. And you're like, oh, cool. I knew that was going to happen, but it's still really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, and I love afterwards when they capture him, he's hung up, and uh, one of the foot soldier guys is going through his shit, and he picks up the sword, and he tries to pull it out, and he's trying like four times, like, oh, and like, just throws it away. <laughs> Which, that is that is the same guy who's uh, who tries to kill him as a kid in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> I love how he fucking finally takes him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good line too. The you know the, the pup who took your nose has returned for the rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was such a shameless like uh, like I'm gonna deliver a fucking movie line now. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, all all the revenge kill stuff was cool. Like especially uh, like the first one where he, he took out like the four or five guys and then hung them up in like a, a weird human flesh diorama on the front of the building. Like made a horse. Yeah, but it's like the most authentic Norse version of arts and crafts. <laughs> <laughs> Today we will be working with the corpses of your enemies. <laughs> what what medium uh do you primarily work with um the corpses of my enemies mostly (laughs) those who have broken their oaths against me i've been dag i mean i've also been dabbling in acrylic (laughs) yeah i think it's interesting that that uh 
the movie managed to be like really elegant and a rage fest like the way that like you guys were saying like every time it slides into a vision or uh, a trance scene or something supernatural it was so seamless that you you had to kind of ask yourself if that was what was happening or not um i love that <clears throat> and all those scenes felt very it really felt like that that magical time on like the come down from a trip where you're like like you can you can sense all the stuff is there but you're mm -hmm. also like still kind of in reality like you're kind of going in and out um and then i love like every time he went somewhere new it was just like the local witch would just show up and and I still don't know if he actually physically like walked out and met them or if he just left his body when he went to bed that night every time. But everything got like gray washed like a dream when that happened. And there was just so much like uh, tact and elegance in the way that it was edited and the way that those those in between scenes where there was just this pristine beauty mixed in with like animal rage and those like contrasts and flipping back and forth. I don't know. That that, that was uh, that was just so good. It's just fucking badass. <laughs> yeah, they tied a lot of little things in that were really good. Like um, right before he got captured, uh, you know, when he was trying to fight with the sword when it was stuck in the sheath and everything, there was like a little piece of dialogue, like the scene before or after, where they were they made a comment about you know Odin giving up his eye to go into you know put in members wells that he could you know see visions and know the future, et cetera, et cetera. And then the very next scene, he gets the living, you know, the, the shit just kicked out of him. You think he's dead, and you see the Valkyrie taking him, and then all of a sudden he wakes up and he's like literally in a hot spring, like a you know, oh, like yeah. a pot of water. And then the second he wakes up and talks to you know Olga or whatever, now he's got clarity of exactly what he needs to do and exactly what you know, like he he needs to continue on from this point on. So it's kind of like this weird parallel between the two that I liked. Yeah, it's. I also, uh, I also love uh, Bjork playing herself in this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she just showed up on set with that. They're like, we have a cost. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> I bet she'll be in the next Eggers film. <laughs> oh probably hopefully with more dialogue actually funny thing um that guy i was mentioning snorri he used to do music production in iceland and he record he he knew her but also actually if you're icelandic that's not hard i think everybody from fucking iceland knows bjork um but uh <laughs> yeah he he worked i think he worked on one of the early her early albums even like the sugar cubes or whatever oh wow. but yeah he 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 talked about he, he knew her from a long time ago um <laughs> that weird fucking pixie plucked from <laughs> i think i think she was just a piece of grass that someone watered very with like magical moonbeam water and sprung bjork out of it whatever well actually in iceland they still have uh <clears throat> elves um well, yeah, they 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 have like 
state issued government issued signs that are like beware of trolls yeah like do yeah, not... they got, like, little little spirit houses for them just like on the side of the highway and stuff and yeah yeah, yeah and they, they uh yeah that shit's real so like i think bjork is just like one of those saw that the world needed some some weirdness injected into it something <laughs> something cool they were like you know what um uh, fuck it all right yeah. and they just like walked out of the hills and into the world like i bet she doesn't have a social security number or parents <laughs> how could she what would what would be odder if is if she had no parents but a social security number that would be that would be even weirder <laughs> well now yeah that's that would be like some weird musical Akira type shit. <laughs> like, like, like the whatever office that they print all that shit out at, it just it spits out a random security number that they're like, "What is this? Why does it? Why is it all all the letter B? I don't understand." And then Bjork is summoned from. It's not even that. It's just like a stick with like three leaves stuck on it and a piece of mud and somehow it's recognized by like the system. (laughs) It upgrades the system. The system just starts upgrading itself after scanning. How did our Scantron machine print out a stick? I don't understand. I think of uh I well okay I think of Bjork as being a musical saint like um like someone that should be venerated when they're gone uh because she's just that special and then like so so probably anybody that's like that that it is is probably someone who just like stepped out of something and into our world just to like make it better Oh, there's definitely like uh, I know for a fact that there's a lot of people in like uh, like the jazz community that think of people like Miles Davis as like a sacred person. And in fact, I from what I understand, uh, I think it was him that was like he was playing with like weird sacred geometry and like his like the musical arrangements that he was doing or something. I I've, someone told me about it once. I don't remember all the details of it, but huh. um. What is it? he's the one that did giant steps? Is that Miles, Miles Davis? I don't know. I'm too white for this conversation. I don't I don't know. I don't I think I, I when I put on yeah, I, I, I like Miles Davis, but I, I wouldn't like I just like kind of put it on and like don't look at what it's called anymore. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't I, I think it's him. I think it's him that did that did giant steps. If I'm wrong, fuck it. Who cares? This is not a jazz podcast. <laughs> no one should do a jazz podcast. <laughs> only, only violence. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think a jazz podcast could only be people sitting around playing jazz. Yeah. Because that's that's literally what jazz is. It's like people that all lived in the same house in New Orleans who couldn't speak the same language, so they just played music to communicate. So it's like mm. 
like talking about jazz and literally playing jazz. <laughs> Anytime I hear jazz or the word jazz, all I can think of now is the uh, the Rick and Morty snake episode. Have you seen that one? <laughs> that was one of their best moments, I think. It's just oh my god, snake jazz. <laughs> yeah, snake jazz. <laughs> <laughs> that whole episode is incredible. That's probably my. It might be my favorite one of my fucking whole series. <laughs> I have this weird relationship with Rick and Morty where if I step away from anything sort of pop culture for like a couple weeks, which I often do, like I don't really take that much in, uh, it feels like this jarring, like, oh man, like they're trying, it's really good, but it also feels just like so extreme that I, I feel like they're trying too hard and I almost can't get into it. But if I watch like three episodes in a row, then I, I really love it again. It's really weird. It's kind of the same way with Always Sunny. Like, they're so terrible that I, I don't like it when I first start. But if I watch three or four episodes, then I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Like, <laughs> something about it's like sinking into their terrible world. I get it. I was like, <clears throat> I haven't seen South Park in forever, but I got all excited to watch their COVID special. And it was just, <laughs> it was just terrible. Like, I was so bored. Like, I was like, how did I ever like this show? Huh. But I mean, I guess it's because when I was originally watching it, I was like 15, you know? <laughs> well it it that was one of those ones like i south park i i remember when the first season came out and i was in college so it was playing all over the t- place all the time and um i sort of checked out after that first season and then my 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 wife was like we, we you you haven't watched there's like thirty thousand years of south park that you can catch up on <laughs> And oh my God, some of the fucking episodes are incredible. Like some of the jokes are so goddamn hilarious. They so actually... I... Yeah, go ahead. No, go no ahead. I was going to say, so I don't think it was just you being 15. I think there is legitimately funny shit. It's just that like, I don't know. Yeah, so that, I mean, like that, man, that man bear pig. Okay. Man bear pig's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, loved, I loved the slash... <laughs> the like slash Christmas thing or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> Where he, like they like believe in slash and he like fucking solos off into the sky. <laughs> I think they actually did uh get a hold of like a time machine and then go back and make 30,000 years of South Park. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of it. It's like it's somehow good. somehow they have more episodes than The Simpsons, <laughs> which they've been going for like a third of the amount of time. But somehow it's like they just have more. Oh, God. It's also mind-blowing to think it's basically one guy. More or oh. less. Is this? Um, the other guy kind of is like his springboard. It seems like it seems like the other guy is just to sort of like make sure that that he doesn't melt into insanity or something. He's like he holds, he's like the container for the other guy to be insane. This is sort of what it feels like. Yeah, I can't think of very many, uh, very many shows that are supposed to be funny that I like anymore. 
think most, I think a lot of the good comedy is dead. I think that's just a trend of like media in general is getting worse and worse for the most part. Like I was actually nervous going back to Northman. I was actually nervous when I heard about it. Cause I was like, Oh God, this has the potential to be like my favorite movie ever, or just enrage me so bad that I just like give up on the Norse gods completely. <laughs> Because fuck them for letting a piece of shit like this movie happen if it was bad. Luckily, it was good, and I'm even happier now. But there was there was going to be some god bullying if uh, the, the movie was bad. I meant they're going to purchase this film or renounce gods. <laughs> I think I think that movie might actually be the new Thor. We'll see, but <laughs> right, yeah. that might be the one that does it. Um, you think so? I don't know. Um, uh yeah this uh what did you what what did you think of the 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 moment where they um where he's sort of initiating his son you know and they pretend to be they pretend to be dogs and they're like barking and bane and then like william defoe's like shaman guy is like are you a human <laughs> and he belches and then the little kid farts dude that that's just norse humor man like if you if you read the sagas or you look at like um actual found like runic graffiti like across the world like a very large percent of it is like fart and shit jokes like like there's actually like runic graffiti in the Hagia sophia i don't remember exactly what it says but it's like way up tall and it's something like fart from on high is loud or some shit like that like it's like the norse loved it and they love cursing people with it. Like one of the best Icelandic Norse curses is a fart curse, where you just curse somebody to literally shit themselves to death. It's a fart conspacher. Yes, that, that would be that would be an awful way to die. Fart <laughs> conspacher. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was kind of. I thought it was both both hilarious, but also sort of profound because. It was like what makes them what makes a human versus an animal is the capacity to um, mock things like that's a thing. That's a thing that only a person can do, really. Um, and I thought that was kind of there's kind of like a cool like under um, like. Like almost profound little metaphor hidden in that, which I thought was really great. <clears throat> I like that um, <laughs> that people found this movie so problematic. <laughs> yeah, what did they, what was being said? Like, well, okay, so people are so afraid of Nazis. <laughs> I think that oh. they, that they like, it's like the whole idea of a blood lineage being a rightful king because of the bloodline people are just like well that leads to ethnic cleansing like that idea is the seed of and so they just like hate it and think it's evil um but i think what those people don't understand is that they're kind of dumb and, <laughs> and like <laughs> you know kingship was was chosen by spirits for a long long time there was a time when it was like the rulers were female too and they were 
chosen by spirits to like it it's very modern I mean, that's basically that's basically end result of this movie right <laughs> yeah well okay see here's here's my thing maybe his dad really was uh kind of a piece of shit maybe his mom was right what if she was so what his daughter isn't gonna be yeah and there's something about like people with their limited human perspective don't know what the fucking spirits have in store and they don't know like like maybe there's a cruel king maybe there's a couple generations of cruel king maybe it's for a fucking reason though that like you don't know about that's bigger than than even a couple generations of suffering like we're so damn small that it's it's so arrogant to me to to think that we can really say like of course you don't want to like stand up and and like support or allow suffering or or like something shitty to be happening in front of your face or but but to like i don't know i think it's i think it's taken it a two a few steps too far to like make those that inference of um like paying attention to a bloodline is a bad thing like i i got kicked out of a uh a magic discord for kind of like standing up for for the fact that i'm like well you know i identify as having gaulish ancestry because most of my ancestry is from switzerland like half of my blood is from switzerland but they were there like the local accounts and the records say that they were there before the romans and in a hill fort that is named the same thing as my last name so there's pretty decent evidence that like my people were there during gaulish times so like if someone can like identify as a cloud and <laughs> expect other people to like respect that and i had like actual reason to believe this like then then like i i feel like i'm okay identifying that way and like i understand that that doesn't that doesn't in any way mean that someone else should feel like less than or that that's better than but that's like just knowing who the fuck you are or what your like your path of your ancestry is and being like happy about that does not automatically mean that you are going to go fucking ethnic cleanse or be a racist um in any way like those things are not inherently connected and people seem to think they are and that that's crazy to me um so so what was the impetus for kicking you out because because you chose to identify with this or something i don't well i didn't even say it i said i didn't even say it uh openly i said it to the administrator in a private message i was like yeah. hey hey i'm blah blah, blah. uh i'm a, you know gaulish descent and blah 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 <clears throat> and he was like i'd be careful about blah 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 da, 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 da. so so i uh yeah it was just like i don't think this is I don't think that makes sense. And then they were like, well, you've clearly missed the whole point. And I checked your Twitter feed and you're clearly a very hateful person. So I'm kicking you off. Because you know, yep. if you don't if you don't hate yourself, fuck you, you're a racist. I I, I guess it's, it's really but, weird. 
well, prove what, you don't hate others by hating yourself. What you, what you probably what you probably didn't know is that 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 person was probably wearing a Roman legionnaire's outfit. <laughs> The entire time. <laughs> it, it was just Caesar. It was just straight I, I up can just Caesar. I can just see him like on Discord, you know, sharpening his gladius, like I'm gonna get this fucker. <laughs> this fucking gall. What the fuck? My Helvetian ancestry is like rolling in their graves as this this Roman descendant was like, no, no, come this way leave your home and come to my discord and then and then on my way in right on my way leaving my home he just cuts me off and just slaughters massacres <laughs> fucking classic roman shit <laughs> uh, talking about lineage in the movie though so was that the was that the what you got from the story was that you know, his dad was a piece of shit and his mom really did want to leave his dad and all that stuff. Cause I kind of took it as a, she was just lying for her own sake to not feel guilty about what she did because yeah. when he ends up, when he ends up killing her at the end, like all of a sudden all the bullshit drops and she's just like, Oh, you stabbed me in the heart. Thank you. Like yeah. I don't have to put up with this shit anymore. And obviously his dad had to have been from a chosen line because when he's in trouble, all of a sudden Odin and the Ravens show up. So obviously you know that line of kingship was true and you know handed down by the gods yeah yeah no i i definitely agree with you i just kind of meant like uh like even if you took it that way right like even if you thought the worst of him of his dad um and that was your takeaway from the movie there's still like this positive in the end where there's this female queen who's going to be like fucking magic and shit living in a birch forest kingdom. Um, but, but yeah, then that, that brings us to an interesting point about, <clears throat> which keeps coming back up on that show, is like about um, truth and like self-verified truth, right? Like he's, he could have let that like fuck him up when she did that and distract him from his whole course. But the fact that those spirits did keep showing up for him was his own. And, and like everywhere he went, he just kind of found himself like talking to the, the local witch who had a message for him to help him. I mean, like all that stuff, I think, fortified him um, so that when his mom dropped those bombs on him, he, he kind of like was able to shake it off and find his purpose still, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the, the other crazy thing about, you know, all the the witches and the seers and the visions and even Olga, it's like every time one of those spirits or shamans or somebody shows up, the first thing they do is remind him of the oath that he took to, you know, to get his revenge. Like every single time it was like, you promised this oath and you haven't done it. So now here's a magic sword. You promised this oath and haven't done it. So now you need to go to this place and do this thing. Like it was always about you made a spirit contract hold up your end of the bargain yeah i yeah. also love how he basic how he did it basically he's like he's rowing a boat as a child and he's just repeating it over and over and over and over and over again um <clears throat> yeah it's a hell of a mantra <laughs> 
my name is Inigo Matoya. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically the Princess Bride. <laughs> I also uh, totally random, but I loved the like self-framed meme at the beginning of the movie where there's a certain part where it shows you know the king ethan hawk like on the left and then there's a pillar in the middle of the screen and then an actual hawk on a guy's shoulders it's like ethan <gasps> hawk ethan hawk. <laughs> 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 like, right. oh i didn't catch that he was yet. he was awesome in this i didn't i didn't recognize him for a second and then and then i realized who it was and and uh i i think all the accents in this were fantastic too all those like rolling r's that i cannot do for the life of me <clears throat> yeah i was really i was really happy they used old norse for a lot of this well my wife weren't they it. saying too that it was one of the most like uh like period accurate as far as what you saw on screen too like i saw that was something that some people were putting around but then it also was like intentionally not so mm. like yeah it's just very very bizarre because we were talking about what, what people were complaining about. Mm. And uh, yeah. But I remember the biggest complaint that I saw, uh, you know, as the movie came out, because I didn't see it in theaters, but um, it was people just complaining about that the plot was just a very simple revenge plot. And like, I think it was intentionally trying to follow the hero sagas, which that's all they are. They're just really simple revenge plots for the most part. So it, 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 I think it was great. Yeah, I think there's uh, too much focus on like what does the plot do and not like how's the story told. Yeah, and I think um, like you were saying earlier that, uh, you know, if they had added too many more plot points that it kind of would have ruined the movie. And I agree, like I think it was perfect as this like single driven revenge plot movie. And I think that's actually probably why a lot of people didn't like it because you know we're in this weird time in society where nothing can be violent and you know everything's a microaggression or blah 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 so they can't handle just you know a two-hour movie about a guy getting revenge yeah <clears throat> well and then this also it also feels a little more like like greek myths or something where you know the hero has this like destiny that and the destiny is a pretty straightforward thing there's usually like one thing that they need to do and its simplicity um allows for it to engage <clears throat> with the dynamics of fate right and that's in this case that's 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 him doing all these encountering all these spirits and sages and witches and shamans and stuff it's it's because I think if if it had more plot than that, it would be him straying away from like this path of destiny that's been laid out before him, and and each each one of these things he encounters is just another stepping stone along it. Um, and I I think there's value in that too because you know your life when you I don't know it's it, when things feel like they're working you'll hit all these like synchronicities and other weird coincidences and shit and, and that's what it feels like it feels like you're slotting into this path um whether that's destiny or not who, who knows but but there is a, a quality that i think this movie speaks to uh 
in that and that's in its simplicity yeah it wouldn't make any sense if it were more complicated because his his state of mind is an arrow yeah and that's that's just this single like he's just screaming and aiming and that's like how the plot has to work too yeah and i liked i liked the uh the in-universe meta discussion of like plot armor too because you know when they got him hanging he's you know he's like you can't kill me today even if you took out your sword and struck me it would not bite because i'm not <laughs> destined to die today <laughs> plot armor bitches <laughs> i really yeah. i really hope that was a note to the screenwriter at one point that was like what's why don't they just kill him here he's like uh because fucking <laughs> god said so no I think that was a note to critical podcasters <laughs> and reviewers. <laughs> Why don't you just fucking fly the ring to Mordor? Because you're an asshole. <laughs> Do you want an awesome story or not, motherfucker? What are you, what's, what's going on? <laughs> like, you know what? You're right. I'll just, I'm not going to write anymore. You win. We all lose. <laughs> yeah, I think by and large, people are just fucking spoiled. Um, like, it, t- it takes a lot to make something. It takes a lot to make a fucking movie, for one. But then, like, to make one that's actually good and that involves you, like, you can't trash talk too much. People really love trash talking. But uh but yeah, like revenge, vengeance. That's a good topic too. Like I think that there's this big difference between like uh a petty like like fuck you, I'm gonna eat the last of your cream cheese and put it back with the lid on in the fridge. And like you killed my father when I was a child, like in a very tender moment right after a initiation ceremony and ruined my entire life. Kind of blood oath. Like like one is one's revenge and one's is like vengeance, right? Are those is that a good way to do you think to classify those? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it does a good job of it. But there's also the whole uh, aspect of I mean, this is a conversation we've had a couple of times on various subjects of like there's revenge and there's vengeance and then there's like vengeance that's equally tied with like a sense of justice. Mm. Like it's not just I want revenge. Like this, like this is something that needs to be settled. Like mm. the you know the universe is not happy until this score is fucking evened out and you eat shit. Yeah. And, and maybe sometimes maybe sometimes it's the actual universe needs it to be right. And maybe sometimes it's just, you know, like you can never be right until it's righted. Because <clears throat> I've had that before where it's like this. This isn't going to be okay until something resolves. Because there's like this energetic knot uh, or this thing that has to be dealt with some way. 
maybe there's different ways to do that. But then like, yeah, I think what you're saying is, yeah, when, when it's something just so fucking atrocious, the universe is like, no, we got your back. You need to like, go take care of this shit. Which that gets into the whole idea of like being out of relation, right? Yeah. yeah, like, and it's like one of the ways of bringing things back. Um, one of the fiercer ways, I guess. Uh, I, I guess, I guess, in some ways, you you you'd be looking at it uh, as vengeance, or or yeah, vengeance at, le- at that level is like the universe's way of composting <laughs> a shitty person <laughs> or such situ- situation. Um. It's funny. Have you guys ever, ever, have you ever had a moment where you're like, "I'll get my revenge"? Have you ever had that? Uh, come on, dude. Who are you talking to? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got enough. We've got enough private conversations to know that one. Yeah, man. It's it's not even always revenge. Like for me, it's more of a justice thing. Like because sometimes I'll see something happen, or somebody will say something to somebody else that has nothing to do with me, and just there's something about it that's just so off and unbalanced and just not right that it just eats at me until i like oh god i don't even know i gotta do like a ritual or curse somebody or actually just get <laughs> into somebody's face and do something because I, I just yeah it's it's a weird like overwhelming emotion slash drive that just i cannot get it out of me until something is done about it like it's almost like the whole world turns like 40 degrees off and like yeah. unless the yeah and unless something's done, it just it won't it won't fit back into place. Yeah, it's almost like a weird, like like minor, like being possessed by justice. It's like a cool way of saying <laughs> it, I guess. Like my comic book origin story. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just an overwhelming. It's like it just consumes you. Like you just you just can't handle this thing not being right. You know, whoever decides that. <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't have that so much anymore I, like i used to get that like really bad and then i would just like burn myself up and so i just got kind of tired <laughs> just kind of like try to opt out of engaging with it nowadays but there are some i, I honestly i think I think the past couple years of media is what burned me out on that. Like just seeing um, so much bullshit and so much like uh, manipulation and just straight lies that that I'm just like fuming at the ears for a year, a year straight. And then had to be like, oh, I got to disengage from caring about justice. But, but I think, I think I'm still open to vengeance. <laughs> but I, and I think justice on a local level would be would be something different too. But yeah, it was not. I guess it was like I, I didn't know how to pick those battles of what to engage with in that way, um, like emotionally speaking. But damn, did I learn from 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 like the last couple of years of bullshit. But, but I definitely know that feeling. 
and I think part of it comes with sometimes these are things that that other people don't see or things about the person who's being a shit that like that you know no one else around them is seeing or that other people around them are making excuses for them for uh, yeah I think that's that's where that comes in for me where it's like this, oh but fucking ah but nobody else sees it ah god damn it Yeah, that plays into the whole like uh, tribal thing that, you know, like, you know, the people that are like natural insomniacs. So it's like, okay, well, maybe like genetically or historically way back in the past, you know, your family were the night guards. So that's why, because you guys all stayed up at night all the time. So that's why you were good night guards. It's like they needed the guy who was like, that's not fucking right. Let's go kill some people. Like they just needed that <laughs> shit back then. And some people just still got that in them. And it's a different time and place where it's not acceptable anymore. But, you know, it used to be if you saw, a big guy picking on a little guy you just whoop the shit out of him and like now it's like you can't even stop robberies or rapes and stuff because oh you don't want to offend somebody or that that, that the, the perpetrator is also a victim and it's it's all sorts of bullshit we just need to go back to solving you know everything with fucking spear fights in a circle <laughs> cudgel cudgel games that's what we need Cuddle games where you will willingly kill a child to get on the field. <laughs> well, yeah, I I think we do. We definitely have lost some kind of practical outlet for this stuff. Yeah, like there's yeah. not like the right kind of relation to violence where we just everybody just thinks that like pain and violence is evil now, period. And it's like. No, it's just it needs to be in its proper place. It needs to be like responsible violence. <laughs> like, like if, if you've got a pedophile in the family, like you all can have like a, a get together out in the woods and then you come back one less. <laughs> That's responsible violence. There's a there's a famous I forget where it was at. This happened in like the 80s. And I, I think it's some small town. It might have, I feel like it was in like Nevada or like Wyoming or something like that. But there was this guy who was like literally, he terrorized the town. He was this like complete psychopath criminal dude that like, and it was a tiny town and everybody knew this guy and he was a complete piece of shit. And they all knew he was bad news. And one day um, he ends up dead from like 16 bullet wounds <laughs> in broad daylight uh, with hundreds of witnesses, but no one knows what happened. <laughs> well, that's like, it was just fairly recently, like within a year or two, there was a, I can't even remember the state. There was a story that came out about a guy who heard a noise and went into his kid's room and found a guy in there trying to assault his young daughter. And oh he took the guy, he took the guy out at gunpoint, took him out in the middle of the woods, made the guy dig his own grave and then shot him and put him into it. And it <laughs> oh went to trial and the jury was like, well, what you did was wrong, but we can't convict. Go home. <laughs> uh, you technically did a bad thing. <laughs> But yeah, 
I mean, I, I can kind of say that my whole life is built on revenge because <laughs> I was like bullied a lot as like a kid. And my, my whole thing was like, I'm going to live a much more interesting life than all of you fucking people. <laughs> <laughs> some, I don't know. Some... I, I think I've done it. I don't know. <laughs> so far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, some say living sweetly is the best revenge and some say you know bathing and playing in the fountain of blood spewing from the neck of your enemies is the best revenge and i think ideally both yeah i was gonna say like <laughs> why choose it's just all about your mindset while doing it <laughs> right right <laughs> you, you know whatever it is you choose to do do it joyously slaughtering your enemies while like silently singing some like fucking k-pop or something (laughs) (laughs) julie andrews Uh, i love the idea of like extreme violence with happy music it's just it's it's good Yeah, it's hard to, um, I, I don't know, I think, I think there's this, there is an idea, which I think is very difficult for a lot of people to handle, which is like, not every life is precious. Um, there are some motherfuckers that do not, do not belong. <laughs> um, that's an extreme thing to say um leave this child behind wait what <laughs> leave this child behind <laughs> specifically this one leave it leave it behind we don't want that one <laughs> i think some people aren't made for this world and i don't know if that's like maybe some people are just born really like demented and but i think mostly people become that way i think mostly it's like not knowing how to manage the experiences that life throws that make monsters make shitty people the kind of people that like can get shot 16 times in a crowd (laughs) and have no real witnesses (laughs) like imagine like what did that guy do like did he just he it's got to be more than like owing him all money right oh yeah no i think it listed a lot of the things he did yeah he was a he was a horrible like abusive bully criminal fuckwit that would be a good movie yeah just to follow that guy through all the terrible shit he does up until he gets shot 16 times in a giant crowd where no one helps him i mean that would be a really powerful movie i'd love that i actually uh knew a guy from uh so he wouldn't be a work friend he would be a work client for those who know my previous work background well but this guy he was uh targeted by a drive-by right and there was 
security cam footage of it and this car rolls up guys lean out like movie style just blasting this dude he got hit multiple multiple times car drives away dude drags himself up and just flips him off and then passes out like on the security camera the dude lived like he ended up being a really nice guy it was really weird but it was it was a, it was a great story okay i'm out Did that? I'm, I'm assuming that that moment changed him <laughs> surviving that. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I all encounters I had with the guy, he was actually uh, very nice and very mellow. Sometimes you have an off day. Yeah. One thing about the movie too, though, is the end, the, the the last battle, like you know, in at Hell's Gate over the fire and everything. My son is like, "This is just like the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith with Anakin and Obi Wan fighting, like in Mustafar." I was like, "Yeah, it, it kind of is." I knew, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, maybe Eggers was like, "Let's take the only redeemable quality from that third Star Wars movie." <laughs> right. <laughs> And make it better. Make yeah, I really like. I liked yeah. how that that fight wasn't super overdone or anything. Like that, that meant a lot to me. the The boss fight wasn't over extravaganized because it was, it was great just the way it was. Like two guys having a normal guy fight on a volcano. It's just totally normal guy stuff. Yeah, with, with, with one guy already having like 15 stab wounds at the beginning of the fight <laughs> well, when... and that was right before he uh right before godric came and turned him into eric northman <laughs> that that's what the actual like writing into the the bright gates were that that was actually a representation of that moment where Godric comes I'm actually gonna have to watch that scene from True Blood again and see if there's any weird parallels (laughs) (laughs) I really hope he stuck some in just to fucking fuck with people Kind of made me want to rewatch uh, that other movie, Valhalla Rising. Oh, have you, have you ever seen it before? Yeah. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah, I really like it. I feel like it might feel a little bit. I don't know. I'll have to wait like a, a week after watching this one because this one's just so intense and beautiful. And I want to wait because I know the other one's more of a relaxed thing. Yeah, Valorizing is a very different, it's a very, it's much weirder and like, well, not much weirder, but it's weirder in a completely different way. It's funny, he he actually said, because that's Nicholas Winding Refn, I think, right? Yeah. Um, He said that he was actually trying to make a sci-fi movie. (laughs) <laughs> which is kind of how that movie 
feels like. It feels like it's like these guys like launching into a spaceship into this completely alien land. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And those filters on the camera and stuff are just wild. Like it just feels yeah. very, very alien. I really like his stuff. He's another obsessed with violence, dude. Well, yeah, I like that. I like when violence is done well, and and yeah. they both they, both those guys do it well. And like like I like in Drive how there's this um, really intense shifting back and forth between like these eighties romance vibes, and then. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like smashing a guy's head in at an elevator. It's just his love language. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like people don't understand me, you know? It's my Ryan Gosling. (laughs) Yeah, you know. There's a brutal scene in that with a, uh, and it's not even like one of the more explosive moments of violence and in, in drive is is when um, what's his name like, uh, oh he it's that's right it's Brian Cranston and uh, I forget who the other guy is he's normally like a comedic actor, who plays like the the gangster boss, and he show and he and he he holds his hand and he takes out the straight razor's razor and just slices his wrists. And holds him, holds his hands, his arms while yeah. he's bleeding out. He's like, shh. shh, shh. Okay. Yeah, that was that was especially disturbing to me. I, I was, yeah, like the fact that he was like gentle. Uh, yeah, that, that made it different. Like if someone were trying to be like intimate and sweet with me as they were killing me, it would it would make me so angry that I would haunt the fuck out of it. like. <laughs> I would haunt them so fucking hard. Just that that feeling of like, <laughs> this is them getting the last laugh, you know? Like I, because you want to be like, no, fuck, fucking, if you're gonna murder me, be mean. Like <laughs> this is weird, and it makes me feel like you're talking down and belittling me as I'm getting. <laughs> this is just horrible. Uh, I'm gonna haunt you, and I'm gonna haunt your kids. I'm gonna give you fucking kidney stones how do you like that i'm gonna make you dream about fucking your mom every night is that what kidney stones actually are is is, is that's past karma for all the people who killed <laughs> i thought you were gonna say like somehow related to fucking your mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that what kidney stones are like you only get them if you fuck your mom <laughs> Or if you fucked your mom in a past life, maybe. Just punishment for the thought. So you know, the next time you, next time one of your buddies has kidney stones, or even makes you know, a joke, not to, you know, not to, to invite that guy to the barbecue and leave him alone with your kids. <laughs> or even if they make jokes about it, then then you get kidney stones just for making jokes about it. About it makes the sign of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like uh, it's like I, I 
totally get what you mean about the like being gentle it's like it's like a it's like they're a nurse or something but then they're fucking murdering you you're like i know this is hard for you i'm sorry (laughs) yeah it's 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 so angering just the thought like it makes me silly with rage so i think um i think part of this like part of thing i'd want to do with this is like we kind of like talk about stuff that's happening in our lives but but in a way that we don't like stuff we're working on and anything like that if you guys got anything cool you've been reading or working on anything you're just generally interested in lately because the movies are cool too but so are so are so are you as people and your lives and well i want to i want to leave a space for tsk first because i'm always here so (laughs) yeah man just uh stuff we're working on i i fall into this problem where uh i get really excited about something and i start it and then like halfway through something else grabs my attention and I'm just like fuck everything else now I gotta go do this thing and so I just end up with like a hundred documents like on the google (laughs) cloud that are like only like six pages and make no sense to anyone but me and are completely incoherent but probably like the only project that I've been continuously working on for I don't know probably like two years now and it's still like nowhere even close to being half a rough draft and it kind of fits in with the movies like now, like my favorite style of magic is PGM work, like for the most part. Like that's my that's my desert island magic book. And that's uh Greek magical papyri for those who don't know. Right. Yeah, but I also really initials. <laughs> yes, I know. Backwards and who knows. <laughs> but I also like really uh have a good connection and like working uh with the Norse gods and you know, like runic magic and stuff like that. But one of the hardest things with Norse magic is that we have the sagas and we have the Eddas, but there's really not fuck all as far as like actual written down ritual of what people did or anything like that. Um, it seems to have been from what the best we could tell, you know, a, a religion where every household had their own practices, every household had their own relationships, and it was kind of more just story based, you know. So one of the nice things about the PGM is most there is, you know, some magic that requires like materia and, you know, astrological timing and stuff. But for the most part, the magic is just talking to spirits and telling them their stories or, or telling them a story about you. That's kind of like their story. So that's why they should help you. But there's also like some bullying, like I know a secret about you and I'm going to fuck your shit up if you don't come help me. So I've been working on a way of doing that but with the Norse gods. So it's kind of like PGMing the Norse. That's really cool. Well, yeah, that's, that's that's like perfect for it because what we have is their stories. So you're you're basically, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things too. Like every time people ask me like, oh, like how should I do this or how should I do this with Norse stuff? And it's like, for the most part, it's just having conversations. It's just going out 
even into your backyard or into nature and, you know, pouring out a beer and just calling out to them and talking to them and relating to them and asking for help. Like it's not, it's not a grimoire where you need to make this circle and put the right runes in the right order and face the right direction and, you know, read off this, you know, mechanicalized prayer that everyone else does to get somebody to show up. Like, I think if you did that, Odin would probably just have a raven come shit on you. <laughs> it, it's more about like the relationships that you develop with them. So you, it's hard to tell somebody just like, oh, just go do exactly what I do, even though you haven't had these same conversations and same relationships and same experiences. So it's, I think a book that would come out that's has a couple of examples, but it's more about talking about how PGM magic works and how you can apply that to other spirits, especially the Norse, um, would help a lot of people out because anybody can, you know, just call out to Thor because they need help with something and recite one of his stories and talk about all the cool shit he did and how, you know, it'd be really nice if he would come down and help you do some of that cool shit too. And from there, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, from there, I imagine you could also work in, like if there are plants or trees or things like that, or places, specific kinds of places mentioned in the stories, um, you could like go to those places or use those materia with you as you're doing this uh, story recitation. Uh, would you, would yeah, you and I, I kind of do stuff like that to a little bit. Like if I'm going to be working with, you know, like one of the Vanier gods, I'll go to a place that's more like rolling hills and agriculture and like farm, like that type of area where if I'm going to deal with, you know, one of the Asir, I'll try to go like to, into the mountains or higher up or somewhere. If you want to, you know, a lot of the uh, kind of like darker curse magic stuff involves more like uh, calling on actual like different Yoden and spirits and stuff like that. Like I'll actually go like up into like the rock mountains and stuff. Like, I, I, you know, environment kind of plays a, I don't know if it's so much that because that's like the places they were in the story, it's an easier connection or if it's just the aesthetics of like, oh, I feel like I'm kind of in Jotunheim. So it's easier for me to talk to you. And like, I don't know, like there's I definitely think, something to it regardless that works. I think kind of like if the place makes you feel more like that, then it becomes actually a door to the place. Yeah, I think we were talking about that a bit. Like the, I think the, the weight there's actually there's actually a weight to the aesthetics of of things that like helps helps take the friction out of the out of the out of the relationship really. Um, and it's also it's also interesting that what you're saying about like how they don't really know there's not some codified process that's like that we can sort of extract out of history and that it was all sort of household by household which is sort of what i feel like it really ends up being anyway like i feel like if you're if you do this stuff long enough if you engage with it long enough eventually the practice sort of uh like you can you can pick stuff up from other people but it definitely eventually becomes your own some way somehow anyway and it's i think it's cool that you're like this is the framework like this, this is this is what the container looks like, and this is how you this is the, you you put the parts in the container, and that makes it function. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, they they did have some, you know, formalized ritual structures at certain places, like you know, like Uppsala and stuff like that. They probably did, you know, they probably have their own books or their own, you know, oral tradition of this is how we do 
this sacrifice on this day, this is how we do this festival. But for the, the average person at home, it was pretty much, you know, their story, you know, they had the same basic stories and the same basic myths that they told each other, but they also had these additional ones that like, oh, there's this one time that, you know, great grandpa saw Odin and this is what Odin told him. And like, that's, you know, that's the law in this household where you go to the next house and they'll be like, that's bullshit. I never said that. You know, it's, yeah. But it kind of, in a way, it almost makes the tradition like more rich and personal by the yeah. fact that like everyone does it slightly differently, but it still works <clears throat> and it's still the same spirit, even though your Odin may not be my Odin, it's still Odin. Mm. Yeah, it's like uh, what is that? What is that term for wines? Terror, terror. I, terror, I can't. I never. It's like T E R R I O R, which is like the flavor that's built out of the soil that the grapes are like come out of, and like you can have the same grape, but if the if the soil's different, it gives it a different flavor. So mm. it's the same. It's a similar thing, and it's uh, it's funny how there's like that relationship and metaphors carries through. <laughs> Would you say that um, that knowing the stories is like, I mean, if that's if that's what there is, would that be like for anyone that like wants to get in touch with the Norse gods? Would you just recommend basically read the stories and then get close to them and see what resonates? And yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, the 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 common joke you hear about you know, like either uh, Norse magic or Norse religious practices is it's, it's the religion with homework <laughs> because pretty much like, I mean, I guess you could approach it, you know, chaos magic style of just doing some sigils and trying to invoke Odin or something, not really knowing anything about him. But for the most part, uh, yeah, I think if you want to work with these gods, you should probably know who they are and what they've done and what they're about. I mean, we don't have any formalized ritual structure. It's not like a popular enough of a religion or a magic, you know, practice that uh, you just know about it. Like, like yeah, I can bring like you know, my kids like they don't practice obviously, but they've seen me do stuff like that. But I mean, even my daughter who's young, you could probably ask her like, what is a witch? And she'd probably be able to just off of shit she's seen on YouTube, like explain like Wicca and like witch aesthetic and all that type of stuff. But you pull some random kid off the street and you're like, okay, tell me, you know, tell me a story about Heimdall or tell me a story about Tyr. And they're going to be like, I don't even know who the hell you're talking about. It's not, yeah. it's not something ingrained in our culture, at least as, you know, Americans. So I think uh, actually going out and reading the stories, it's, it's kind of a weird initiation too. It's like, um, it's kind of the same thing with the PGM is a, a lot of the context and a lot of the, the, the mechanism of how the PGM works is, hey, I'm talking to you and here's all these things I know about you. Here's this story that I know about you. Here's a name that you're called by that only a few people know. That's how you prove that I'm worthy to work with. Like the, the fact that I know these things and have taken the time, sacrificed the time and effort to learn this about you means that you should now show me respect in return and work with me because I'm not just some asshole who heard that you're good at giving lottery scratchers. You know what I mean? <laughs>
was sort of it's interesting what there you're are saying. spirits for that but <laughs> <laughs> it's but interesting what you're ones. saying because that's that's kind of also how you would probably approach like if there if there was someone in your same field that you really admired and you wanted to potentially work with them it would be a similar thing like you you approach them and you'd probably like ask them about some like obscure random thing or that you learned that like you know they did some interview and they're like yeah no one ever asked me about this album it's my favorite thing i worked on and blah 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 and then you came up to the thing like hey i fucking love that thing you made you know it's 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 sort of a similar thing really yeah it's like who doesn't like who doesn't like people knowing of their work yeah but i I think it's just it's kind of cool because so in an animist context the the whole relationality and knowing someone and knowing their story those are like all the same thing being being in relation to something is is knowing it um having some kind of experience interacting with it in some way so like with a lot of magical practices uh, and a lot of things that are available to us it's easy to get lost in maybe the results or maybe the tech or but so with what i think is kind of cool here is what this means is with the norse stuff it kind of refocuses back onto the relational aspect by necessity like you can't just pick up the book like you can grab the pgm and just do it and it might work for you but it's a lot less likely that you can just like make up some fucking magic with uh you know tear without ever reading his story or (laughs) getting to actually know them so i think that's interesting it kind of cuts out that that um, tendency for people to get caught up in in other things other than like the reality that you are coming into relation with spirits and that's what it's kind of dependent on for magic to work i guess Hmm. yeah and it's kind of funny because like uh in most of my other magical endeavors i'm the polar opposite like i'm really really into how systems work like what are the mechanisms behind it like knowing like the the rules and the way the system operates and kind of figuring out like you know the the schematics behind the scene so to speak but i found specifically at least for myself working with the norse gods like that doesn't work at all like you would you would think you know from like a like a chaos magic or even like a grimoire approach you'd think like okay well if i go to this place and i make a circle and i write out you know a god's name in runes and i face the right direction and i say the right prayers they have to show up and like it, it doesn't work at all like with the norse stuff <laughs> There's also this whole, at least from my, my personal experience with Odin, there's also this weird context of like having to earn every encounter. 
Like if you hike up into the woods and you do this evocation and then he actually shows up and you talk to him or you have a visionary experience with him, then you go back into it the next time. Like it doesn't work. And you get this sense like, well, it worked last time, but you know, there, there's a whole nother summit that you could fucking hike to and bust your ass at. And then I'll fucking talk to you. Like that, like there's always this aspect of like, they want you to work for it. And what worked last time may not work again because this is a new favor and you got to earn it. Yeah. (laughs) And that I that also fits with the whole thing. Like we don't have the system, so you have to fucking you put the effort in to fucking figure it out. Like it's almost like uh, like that's on purpose. Like that whatever that was got lost. Like they took it and threw it aside, so that you have to put the effort in. <laughs> I think that no, uh... I think that's a thing with like uh, ancient Norse just customs in general. Is that um. I forget the actual word for it. I usually know it, but it's late. Um, that they had this whole sense of um, like equal gift exchange in order for things. So, like if uh, if you went to somebody's house, you're supposed to bring a present, and then that obligates them to next time bring you a present. Or you do a favor. You you want something, so you go do a favor for your neighbor. Now they're obligated to do a favor for you, and like it kind of works with the gods too. Like you put in a lot of effort. You know, you poured out this expensive bottle of mead and you didn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. And now that earns you like the payout. And it's not so much the the, the slot machine style or like some magic is where, you know, like, oh, I say the right words. I get what I want. It's, um, yeah, it's more about the relationship than just like an actual cause and effect. Well, and the yeah, quest too, right? There's like a quest aspect to all of it. Yeah, definitely for sure. What were we gonna say, Rev? I'm sorry. Oh no, I I just think it's interesting because uh TSK, you and I have talked about how like we've we've both worked with uh Saint Cyprian, but for you he's kind of come in and out at different times. And uh it seems to almost be like it's either Cyprian or Odin at any given time. And the way that you're describing this sort of like, you have to work for it. That is, and I'm sure everybody's is different, but like that has been kind of my experience of St. Cyprian. Um, Hmm. And I almost wonder if there is only sort of like one slot in our lives for this certain kind of Saturnian teacher figure, uh, masculine, like it's almost like we only need one at a time. Right, because um, they're, they're both these powerful like teacher figures, but it's like Saint Cyprian won't always just like talk to me. Like he'll be present when I'm like asking for something, but sometimes he'll just be like it's almost like the spirit equivalent of like crossing his arms and shaking his head, mm. and it's like okay, and then later I'll figure out like there's something that like it was in my own power the whole time or um it was stupid of me to be asking for this thing somehow like that that kind of like uh fucking stern dad shit (laughs) almost um I don't know if that's exactly what you meant but it just like rang that bell for me it's like this um if I'm capable of figuring it out on my own he's not gonna fucking tell me anything he's not even really gonna like show up so just kind of interesting and there have been 
um, there has been this sense of like, if I do like a really big novena and I really put a lot of work into it, then something fucking cool will happen. Like, I don't know what, but like he'll show up and do something like amazing. <laughs> because mm. it's like you, you, you like worked for this. So like a thing has to have, it's almost like you put that energy in and it kind of has to come back somehow. But it's like you you walk into that next mountain peak. Uh, sometimes that can be an obeda. It's really interesting. He it's my relationship to him is very it's very also he comes and goes. Mm. And he's uh but he sits at he sits at kind of this like low hum in the background and will like occasionally pop up. Mm. Um but uh yeah, he's not like a primary. I mean, he is and he isn't. It's interesting, kind of uh, what you what you guys are both saying, because he's like, uh, it's it's because it's not unlike it's not unlike Saturn. Saturn's always there, it's always in the background and draws the boundaries for everything. But you're not always thinking about fucking Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The this the you know the Saturnine stuff uh, like permeates my being <laughs> like. A lot of people know, like I don't put a whole lot of uh, thought into astrology. It's I think it's great if it works for you. That's awesome, but uh, hasn't been very applicable to my life. Except when people talk about the birth chart stuff, they're like, "Oh, you're a very Saturnite person. What's your chart look like?" And it's like, "Oh, you know, rising sign Saturn, sun sign Saturn. You know what, what's a yeah? Just like I'm Saturn all the way through and through. Like you know, mid heaven is." saturn like fucking exalted to the degree like so apparently you know daddy saturn and i get along but uh yeah the stuff with cyprian man it was it was weird he he came on really strong at a time that like nobody was really talking about cyprian that much or at least i just wasn't in the circles that were all about him and uh went through this whole thing like you know insisted i get the statue did all these huge novenas like even had me like write like a whole like chaplet prayer and actually make like my own like cyprian rosary oh, wow. and everything and and it was so bizarre too because he's like okay you need to go on etsy of all fucking things and find this medallion so i go and search for a medallion and the first post ends up being a medallion uh, from this lady in spain or some shit like that and it was like oh this was my grandmother's it's like hand stamped i got it appraised it's one of a kind it was made by hand it's not like mass produced and uh just want to sell it for like 30 bucks and i like bought it and then got it home and then like yeah it was just insane and then uh you know it was like all building up towards this huge thing and i was like okay cool like maybe this guy you know i'm actually gonna have like an actual patron and i'm gonna be able to do all this stuff but i'm also like you know a filthy heathen who doesn't really get much out of the whole abrahamic stuff so there's always kind of like this weird tension and then finally at the end of it Cyprian was just like, all right, you did the work. Congrats. Okay, so like, what do I get out of this? Oh, you know, the the the, the journey is your reward type bullshit. Like, you know, the, the true magic was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and I was like really disappointed and like really upset and was kind of like, well, fuck this guy. I ain't doing any of the shit with Cyprian anymore. And then I had a weird dream where Cyprian was like, oh, do you like a trickster spirits and and dark shit and necromancy but uh you're a filthy pagan oh i got just the guy for you to meet and then odin came on strong and has never left 
Oh, I didn't realize that they were that there was a, a sort of introduction. Like, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. but it's it, but then weird things have come out like in uh like like journeys and um you know psychedelic experiences where uh, I end up having like these weird flashbacks of things like before I was even magically operant and like Odin being there and like kind of like weirdly guiding things behind the scenes so it's it's been a fun ride yeah i think that's interesting it was almost like you just had to bump into cyprian to get to where you were going and the work cyprian made you do was just like the the energy needed for the like passing the test to be worthy of like the introduction or or, or more like this is the this is the cyprian sorting hat yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah 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 how do you react to this like do you, are you gonna be one of my people and then you're like bro what the fuck and he's like oh okay i know where you belong <laughs> but i also think like uh i also think you were always gonna end up there because i think there there is definitely something to the spirits that that hang around us and our ancestral ties um not not always like it, it isn't like, I don't think I have any ancestral connection to St. Cyprian. I might because I have a lot of like, you know, European Protestant uh, and some Northern European ancestry. But like, I think that's just because I like him because like he, he, he fits my, my personal story of being like really, really fucking dark for a long time and being like a horrible drug addict and like gaslighting and lying to people and stealing and shit. And then going full on like, like Brian the White kind of, you know, turnaround. <laughs> so like that whole story um, like maps to mine and there's like no escaping that aspect of it for me. But but again, like it's, it's like with Kurt, like I, I interact with him uh, in ritual a lot. Like I, I work him in whenever I'm working with someone else. Um, a lot of the time I'll, I'll just work him in like, um, to be part of it but there isn't like a lot going on there uh, that I don't initiate and until it's like some kind of major lesson that I need or some kind of major turning point in life like he really is more of a like this leading you along teacher kind of thing and that seems to be kind of like uh, like how it's been for TSK too, right? Like with Odin, like there's there's this guiding teaching aspect as well as practical. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 been like a weird it's really hard to explain because you know, especially to people who are like non-practicing magicians, because to a normal person it just sounds fucking batshit crazy. But right most magicians are so it makes sense to each other that yeah it's it's almost been this weird like um not quite like a paternal thing but it's like he's like your magical big brother program type thing like <laughs> take you under your wing and teach you some stuff and point you in the right direction and at the same time too like even when you're doing stuff that has nothing to do with that tradition like they're still kind of there and still kind of have hints and random things to to point out or talk about or because I, I think that's one of the things i like about odin and the way i relate to him so much is he's he's both this 
warrior and like a complete just trickster fucking magician who will just fuck people over to get what he wants but he's also like this weird also like aspect of like being a noble warrior too so there's like you get both sides with him and it's funny like he shows up that way too like sometimes you you know odin shows up for me uh more of like you know the king in armor type thing and sometimes he shows up as like the the homeless dude in a big hat and you know sometimes he shows up as like this gallows death necromancy god it just kind of depends on what you're doing Yeah, yeah, but then it's but then Cyprian when Cyprian shows up for me nowadays, it usually has almost nothing to do with me. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden I'll just get a huge Cyprian hit, and he's like, "Hey, get this book and tell somebody about it," or "Hey, give somebody this PDF," and you're like, well, "What the fuck? You go do it." <laughs> it's like, no, that's not the deal. <laughs> I don't know how to open them. Fucking Adobe Reader. It's a pain in the ass. Well, I th- I well, think that's, this kind of ties hard. in with the weird justice thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Because no, of this good. weird justice thing, too, is it's like, um, without going into like too many details of starting a wizard war, like my time with Cyprian, like indirectly put me in contact with some really shitty Cyprian practitioners and like gave me this like goal of like, you need to fucking set these people in their place or you need to like, you know go handle some shit and so i did and then it was like all right cool thanks <laughs> like that's it <laughs> so it's almost just like you know be my weapon of revenge type of shit you're you're a you're a spirit hitman <laughs> yeah hit fuck man, it, man. i guess so <laughs> i think that's funny too that he's he's told you to like point people out to books and things like that because it's like like his agenda is people getting better and doing more magic. <laughs> he's like he's like give them this fucking book. This is what they need right now because I I fucking care that people get better at this. <laughs> like one of his stories is like you know he didn't he didn't like burn his books. He he gave them away to children. So like he gave his <laughs> like how all these instructional books on how to conjure and bind demons. Oh to children as a charity once he turned into a saint uh so that's i mean that's cool i love that story just because uh it was a couple of years I, I used to be like really really into like paranormal investigation type stuff that's actually what led me into magic right. but um we had this running joke that we were going to pass out all these flyers one year that was like looking for a safe uh you know alcohol and drug-free halloween it's like come to the such and such public library where we're gonna take turns reading you know text from the goetia (laughs) (laughs) it's funny this this whole talk makes me uh makes me imagine uh saint cyprian is like a purple robed black metal musician with like a librarian chain on the glasses <laughs> like <laughs> go talk to them about satan here here's the book it's interesting like now that we're talking about it i'm noticing that it actually makes sense so for the first while that i was engaging with cyprian he kind of showed up as like more holy and more saint-like um, 
And I'm only just kind of now realizing that was because I really needed to just be absorbed in this like white, graceful goodness um, mm. uh, to really step into that and like get associated and, and comfortable with it and like know it well so I can go back there when I need to. But then like after a while, he started to get darker when I like, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I'm doing like, like kind of sinking back into a more middle ground. Uh, Cause I was like, for a couple of years, I just kind of needed to feel this like churchy vibe all the time. Uh, but as that's kind of dropped away, he started to show up more as like the graveyard saint, which is cool. More like bones hanging on him or uh, even just showing up as this like, kind of like dark neon purple spirit thing but I think that's cool like um I think there's definitely something too like they show up differently at different times uh, based on what it is we need to kind of sit with and like absorb Yeah, it's almost like a weird like a uh, spirit construct thing they're like oh he needs this so i'm gonna have the appearance that'll most you know directly work with the his psyche and and what he needs right now like and maybe like there's almost like a direct data transfer thing going on like they're taking this shape and this attitude and you're just by being in the presence of it kind of absorbing the knowledge of how to be it better that makes sense i think yeah i think there's also something about um a spirit as lively as him in the sense and that like because one of the one of the more first really direct encounters i had that was like oh what there's something more to this was with him where um I forget. I forget the exact thing. It was like the I was doing an initial novena to him just to sort of contact him, and I ordered the like the Jose Leto book, Leto book, at the same time. And I remember like I, nothing much was happening, but like at a certain point in the novena, it's like I had drawn this little uh, altar card for him. Like I'd actually drawn and watercolored it, and made it made it specifically for him and like i remember it like in my mind's eye almost like coming to life he's holding a book in the drawing and he hands me a book and then that day is when that that book gets delivered to my house <laughs> and um and like and like the the next time i like i contact i'm like uh so what should i check out in this book and then he he points me to these things that are like the direct page i forget what they are in the book but they're like daily prayers like that's the first thing he points me to is like do these huh. and it, and all, literally all he does is like it's like chapter three something 44 it's like it's like just the chapter and like number and that's all he gives me and i look at him and that's that's what they are are these daily prayers i'm like <laughs> oh, well okay all right i i, I get the message <laughs> and I, actually i remember the other thing about him is I think he kind of has a sense of humor. He like he likes fucking with you a bit. Yes. Um, I remember, I actually <laughs> remember asking him about the PGM, right? I was like, is there a spell I should check out the PGM? And he's like, oh, sure. And he gets a number 
it's totally a spell about getting laid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like, well, this makes sense with you. <laughs> Given your history, I get that. Well, okay. It's, it's, I, uh, I asked him, because um, I was having this, this issue with like trying to remember how to have a backbone and kind of be more outspoken. And, um, and fucking asked him, uh, how do I, you know, how do I do this? How do I reclaim my, my self-assuredness, my confidence? And he goes, give me some wine and I'll tell you. <laughs> and I go like, hold on, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, what the fuck? No, like that's no you're not getting free wine like tell me something useful first and then it was like the feeling of someone like grinning and i'm like you just made me stand up for myself and did the uh, thing like your response taught me to do it and it blew my mind <laughs> it was uh, like in the moment he's like well give me some fucking wine and i'm like no and i'm like holy shit i am standing up for myself right now and it deepened our relationship because it was like this, like, I'm not afraid to be like, no, to the, to the spirit that I, I had at, up to that point kind of been, you know, approaching a little bit cautiously. Um, that was really fun. And I was like, you know what? Now, now you get some fucking wine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you actually earned it. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna um I was gonna ask uh I'm not sure how to phrase this, but like to just to go back to the movie a little bit, um, but the idea of the the Norns and uh I wonder if any of you have had because I kind of had one pretty recently, uh had an experience where you really felt I don't know how to describe this, like, like this energy of the tapestry or the weave. Like that kind of, and maybe, maybe it'll help if I like share the story a little bit. Um, so I'm going through a thing right now with my, with my uh, mother, which is kind of scary, uh, but, but she's better now. She's like on the mend and she's very healthy, but, but the first, uh, I had to travel and the first day I saw her was actually pretty intense. And um, there, I had this real feeling and I'm wondering if you guys have had moments like this where it was almost like I feel, I felt like it's almost like these giant pairs of hands were like grabbing um, what would be like the cloth or like weaving their fingers between like uh, a whole bunch of threads and pulling it tight and it felt like my whole being was being like stretched and then like at the same time that that's happening it's like I'm winding in and it's it, it's almost like that sense happens at these like kind of bottleneck moments where like the emotions and in this spiritual intensity of what's going on is is at a very high level and I just I'm wondering if you guys have had 
any sort of like weird like tangible experiences kind of like that and i know that's maybe not exactly what they what they mean by the norns but that's kind of how i related to to that that idea yeah um similar but different uh i kind of do rune magic similar to the way that a lot of people do sigil magic a lot of times i combine the two but my activation method is actually i mean kind of like stupid term for it i call it like you know like falling into weird like i imagine myself like sinking until i kind of reality fades away and i'm left with just seeing like the web of weird or the fabric whatever you want to call it the threads of the norns and seeing all the branches and all the all the connections and all the the things that line up off of each other and kind of just it almost feels like the the air gets thicker gets heavier and almost kind of like you can almost like feel like the tension of like pushing up against like space time if that makes any sense and it my activation yeah and my activation method for sigils and rune magic is actually to go into this and find look at all the possible paths and then find the path that leads to the result that I want and then dissolve all the other paths. So it actually ends up being this weird form of like Norse web of weird quantum field collapse type shit. Cause you go from all possibilities to just the one that you want and like re, you know, strengthen that structure. But yeah, the, the, the whole time that you, you kind of feel like you, you can actually feel like the, the fabric of, reality around you i think i've only had it with mushrooms um really like well that's not true but like um <laughs> it was like around the time that i was doing mushrooms i wasn't necessarily on them it was just like i was very in tune to something like that like I, I would call the, like, for me, my experience, I'd call them more like ribbons. And like, I don't know about, about like lines of fate necessarily, but more like almost some kind of uh, like balls of yarn that everything is made of. Um, less like fate weaving and more like um, the structure of reality being woven so, which I guess kind of the same thing but I just didn't experience it as much linearly as it, as it was like one single moment in the moment that I was in kind of thing um, <laughs> and one time on mushrooms I I experienced uh, <clears throat> like you know, kind of, kind of in the, in the imaginal, there's like this movement that started happening and, and, uh, and it kept, it gained momentum. And, and then it was almost like um, this stuff that was moving started stretching out into a long line and following like this figure eight. And it was being led by like mushroom spirit who was there and it's like moving me and kind of laughing. And so it's like, I'm on this roller coaster at this point and I'm, I'm going and it's like, you know, following a track. Whereas before I was just like this ball, this wad of stuff and it becomes like this long, nice, neat line. And then 
it was like sticking a spoke or a stick in spokes and it like stopped suddenly and I sprawled out straight as a, an arrow. And it was like this weird spiritual chiropractic work. And then, um, and it was, this was, experience was wild. Like, and this was one of my first big spirit contacts where totally unbidden and like, I didn't even know who she was. This was when Kali Ma like floated in on a, on a little bubble and chopped off part of this line that was me that got like <laughs> chiropractored out by a mushroom. Um, <laughs> and she just like chopped off part of it that was like not good. <laughs> it was the weirdest, weirdest shit. But that was like this whole experience of me just being this uh, like a ribbon that was all tangled up and I needed to be straightened out and some of it needed to be trimmed. Um, but I've also had experiences around that same era, that same time in my life of like a lot of experiences of kind of everything being made of that same makeup. So it, it makes sense that like on, to me, based on my experience of like adding that, adding like a linear time to that, there would be just like those lines, but on a different plane, like woven in a different way. So it's all just basically like crocheting all the way down. It's just macrame. It's like uh, like my last big experience on the same thread was uh, I actually had like a very vivid flashback to, uh, I guess I got to go backtrack a little bit of that for people that don't know me. Um, I was in a really, really bad car accident like a decade ago that like there's no reason why I should have lived through it at all. Like basically a drunk driver took a left-hand turn on the freeway and t-boned me at like 60 miles an hour put me into a spin hit the median came to a stop got hit by a second car at 60 miles an hour put me into another spin landed in a completely different lane and then got hit by a third car at like 50 and car was totaled um at the time of the accident one of the uh highway patrol officers came up to me and asked me which car was mine and I pointed to my car and he's like oh no that guy's dead they already took him to the ER and he was, he was DOA and I was like oh fuck that's not good that's me but when I went, the last big visionary experience I had was actually Odin taking me to like the scene of the accident and it was like replaying in slow motion and it was kind of like oh so your back is fucked and you're in constant pain now so here's your choice you can either die in this accident or you could take these injuries and that's your equivalent of nine days hanging from Idrisil. And by doing so, that's how you get your magic. And it's funny because I didn't get into paranormal stuff and magic stuff until after that accident. So it literally is what took me from like complete secular materialistic lifestyle into more of like spirituality and magic. Man, yeah, you, you told us that, like, the two of us that before, but, like, hearing it, hearing it again still just, like, holy shit. <laughs> it's crazy. Have you carried any um, 
I know you carry the pain, but what, how were you like, like my wife was in a really bad car accident a long time ago, like fucked up her knees and she had to have like all these knee surgeries and she still gets like a little panicky if we're, if we're on like a freeway, has any of that like carried through or is it just. Not really for me. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if that's just from past experience and like career training and stuff like that to where situations like that, like I just instantly go like complete logical, like all emotion goes void. All I do is think of what needs to be done. What is the best you know plan of action? And I just work, go do it. And then like, you don't even really think about it until like, you know, a long time from that. But yeah, I've never really had a, uh, any type of like anxiety or like fear, you know, like mental trauma from the accident. Um, It's actually weird. It's kind of been like freeing in a weird sense. Like, Hey, there was this horrible thing that should have killed me, but it didn't. So therefore I'm now like fucking invulnerable. (laughs) No blade will bite you. Right. (laughs) It's not your time. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about like, like, coming out of being a hardcore like crack and heroin user like it's like not a lot of people can can be like yeah i i was on both of those at the same time and for like a number for a couple years and then i mean opiates for longer and then like i'm you know like happily married and living my best life like four years clean actually last week four years Congratulations. But that's, that's my, thank you. That's, but that's my, like, yeah, no blade can touch me. Like, you don't know the places I've been, Lou. (laughs) It's, yeah. Certain darknesses are like, um, or certain experiences in general, they're just turns, turns the volume down on everything else. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of like the same thing I was talking about is like, uh, so, you know, like my back is all jacked up and I ended up developing, um, you know, like two neurological conditions that are, uh, two of the top three most painful neurological conditions a human being can experience apparently. And I got two of them. (laughs) So, uh, but it's, what's interesting is if you look up those conditions, like 90% of the people who have it, are like just completely bedridden. Like they just spend months at a time in a dark room, never getting out of bed. Like they can't talk they can't speak. They can't do anything. And like, I still mostly do everything and anything that I want to. Like if I do like a heavy construction project or do something crazy, like I'm going to be extra sore for a couple of days. But for the most part, my life is normal. And I, I think that uh, living at like, an eight out of 10 pain scale every day is weirdly freeing because like most fear is just, you know, pain avoidance, right? Like yeah, most of the time people are feared because they're afraid something's either going to hurt physically or hurt emotionally. It's like, well, when your neck and the back of your brain stem hurt so bad all the time that you don't even notice when you like break a rib or get a cut or like pull a muscle that it's weirdly freeing in a way that like nothing really scares you that much anymore. Well, I mean, that, that it's, well, it ties into the whole 
um, like there, there's all these, all the, um, a lot of initiations are about that, about severe pain. Because it like the, the act of overcoming that or facing it, suffering it, you now know what the worst possible outcome is. So yeah, it makes total sense that that, that would be a freeing thing because it's like, well, what, what else, what is there to confront at that point? Yeah. That's, that's fucking incredible that you're, yeah. Cause like, I would not know talking to you like here live that you're going through that right now. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's like the, if there's just this constant never ending like background noise and like electrical burning feeling that's just always there. But, um, in another weird way, it's been helpful in a sense that I've just kind of trained myself to always be half out of my body, if that makes any sense. Like I'm like, I think that's a lot of why a lot of uh, like embodiment practices and stuff don't work out that great for me because like, oh, you know, like sink into your body and really feel the experience is like, okay, well, that's fucking terrible for my case. So I do the opposite. I try to be half disassociated all the time. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but in a weird way, that's helped my magic. That's helped me easier get into different states. That's helped me to journey a little bit. Like I'm still pretty terrible at journeying because I'm not a visual person. Like my, my sense of journeying is always akin to more like remembering stuff you never knew. Uh-huh. So that's how I that's how I usually get like my spirit contact and stuff. But it's it's just made those things easier because I'm already less attached to the physical, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Have you have you have you ever had like a full out of body experience? Yeah, I've had a. I mean, not not just like sporadic or randomly on its own. Like I do a lot of like lucid dreaming practice, and that kind of just goes you know hand in hand with having random like full body projections or OBE type things because it's kind of all I don't know at least in my experience and my theory they're all just kind of like different spectrums of the same thing yeah like I've had a lot of projections that turned into dreams that turned into lucids or I've had lucids that have all of a sudden shifted and now they're more than just a lucid dream there's something like actual tangible to them where it's more like a full projection so definitely I, I I had for a while I had a thing that would happen where I'm I'm wondering if it was actually come thinking back on it if it was like my body trying to go into that state but it freaks me out because um, I've had this thing where like like I'm in a dream and I wake up but I'm still in the dream and it's like I'm suddenly aware that my body is like this corpse that's just like laying there and I'm I start panicking and I in the dream, I always start like kicking and like punching like crazy to like get my body to move. And it's always this like flailing about crazy thing in the dream. And then I'm like, huh? like when I wake up, it's, like, it's, just, it's so intense. And then like, it's, I just, it's just like this gentle, like, oh, I'm out of the dream now. And it's, it always freaked me the fuck out. Um, yeah, well, it's funny of- because one of the big signs, like when you're getting out of body, is like those those really intense vibrations where like, you swear you're like half asleep through an earthquake because your whole room is just shaking like crazy. And 
usually I can get past that. No problem. The craziest thing for me to always get past is there's always this point. It's like right at the point of separation where you're more aware of whatever you want to call it, your energy body, your astral body, your consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And you're, you're paying less attention to the physical. There's, for me, there's always this point where I realize, oh shit, I haven't breathed in in like two minutes. Like obviously <laughs> your body still is breathing, but because you're separated, you're not like aware, aware of that. that. And, and that's what usually in the beginning always snapped me right back and brought me out of it. And like, fuck, I'm stuck back here again, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's just, it's crazy. I've had a couple times like that when I was younger and I actually like successfully used the method in the Carlos Castaneda books where you focus on a spot on your stomach uh, until it just kind of like envelops you and you just like it ended up feeling like someone poured warm liquid into my ear and then like that felt like it it got in between my spirit and my body somehow like formed some kind of like in between and then allowed me to just slide out of my body like it was and I, I I did it that way a couple times when I was younger um and then one time on Xanax by accident which was scary because I like kept waking up in the middle of the night and and I'm like standing over my bed and I, I start to walk towards the door and I just like sludge in slow motion, just start to fall forward and tumble like, and like, I'm like, then I'm looking behind me and I can see that I'm sleeping in the bed, but I can't make myself move. Like, so, uh, yeah, that's my story. Yeah. One of my, <laughs> one of my weirdest experiences with like lucid dreaming and like false awakenings, like, so uh, I was having a lucid dream and then I woke up and I was like, oh, I, I got to go take a leak. Right. So I get up and I walk all the way across my room, you know, turn down the little hallway that leads to our master bathroom, go in and I flick the light switch on and the lights won't turn on. Like I'm flicking it. And it's like the power's out. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on with this thing? So I turn and I look at the mirror. And in the mirror, I see myself with my sleep mask on. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck? So I reach up and I actually have my sleep mask on. Everything goes black. And then I pull it off and I'm standing in my bathroom with the light on. And I'm like, what in the fuck just happened? <laughs> so like, I was actually awake, but I had a sleep mask on, but I could see my entire room and navigate all the way to the bathroom to the light switch with like no problem. <laughs> See, okay, I can I can uh, always associate the periods of time where I had a superpower with what drug I was doing at, at that time. Like when I was in my like late teens, early twenties, I was like there was a lot of salvia around in my world, and um, like for some reason, salvia made it to where I could see through things. Sometimes I don't I don't fucking know why, but sometimes like I could look at something and just see like in spirit vision just kind of the outline of whatever was on the other side of it and i was just like i don't know how this is possible but somehow salvia makes you see through things <laughs> i don't make the rules i just work here hmm. i think i must have a thing where like i there's some deep-seated fear i have about like 
leaving out my body because I tried salvia once and I took a hit and um, I clearly didn't do it deep enough. But what, what it felt like was someone stuck a high power vacuum cleaner on the back of my head and was sucking me out of the back of my body. And I just <laughs> gripped the fucking the chair and the floor with my feet, my toes. And I'm like, this is no, we're not going <laughs> We're not fucking going. And the whole time, everything was like shrinking and like stretching, and and it was like getting dark around the edges. And I'm like, nope, nope. (laughs) And it was just like, just let this happen. (laughs) Also, the also like uh, also like Rev that you you got Castaneda's patented spirit grease poured into your ear that like ejected you out. <laughs> <laughs> we need to sell that Casaneta spirit grease. It's another a t-shirt logo for you right there. <laughs> it's just San Pedro and piss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe it's Datura and Piss. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of both in those books, though. <laughs> well, we've been talking for uh, almost a couple and a half hours. It is now 3.45 in the morning. Yeah, we should call it then. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this has been great, though. Thanks for yeah. com- thanks for coming, DSK. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for uh, for having me. And if you guys want to ever do any more, just let me know. Like, I got another movie to watch too. Like, I really want to check out Low and talk about that with you guys because that movie's yeah fantastic. Same. Yeah, well, we will just. I mean, we'll just have you on like as often as we feel like it and hanging out. So we should we should do that one and then it's like highbrow cousin which is the, a dark song i think is the name of that movie you know that one yeah yeah, yeah. they're like polar like polar opposites but related somehow it's great oh yeah <laughs> i've not seen either of them so that sounds great uh, you've heard of a dark song though right i don't think so it's like it's this this lady supposedly does the abramalum right I mean, it's not exactly it, I don't think, but but it's 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 pretty great how it's set up. Yeah, I think they actually directly say she is doing that Vermeulen, right? But yeah, a lot. But you know, a lot of stuff they show her doing is just you know Hollywood bullshit. But well, yeah, still, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie though. You, you know, it's fake because she's a woman. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think women were allowed to do magic, right? <laughs> all right well now that we're canceled um i was about to say something worse but that's okay oh damn it i should have kept my mouth <laughs> shut um i guess i'll be the bad guy <laughs> well we'll see y'all next week um we don't know what's happening yet but no <laughs> i'm waiting to hear back from somebody i have something in mind but um but we could just like push it back, whatever, we'll figure it out.
thanks for listening, all 15 of you. And uh, thanks for coming to SK. Yeah, definitely. It's fun. We'll, we'll be back. <laughs>